Long History The Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 8 A Kidnapped Kasika in North Carolina and Tennessee Hello everyone and welcome to Episode 8 of Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s For any new listeners, welcome Here at Long History we like to take historic source documents and split them up into chunks of 10 minutes and the text we're using here describes an expedition from the mid-1500s to explore large parts of the southerly states of the United States. That includes Florida, Arkansas and most of the states in between. The expedition was headed by Hernando de Soto and began in April 1538. The text we're using here was originally written in Portuguese by a man known as the Gentleman of Elvers. We split this particular document into 25 parts and we're on episode 8, so if you're tempted I'm sure episodes 1-7 to seven are just a few clicks away. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified of the other episodes when they are released. Now, as episode 7 ended, the Spanish had encountered a rare female leader, called in this text a cacica, and she showed Hernando de Soto where he could find large quantities of pearls. De Soto is in the area of South Carolina, an area completely unknown previously to the Spanish. However, in this episode he approaches another area where there was a short-lived attempt to create a Spanish settlement. De Soto's guide until now has been a local youth, who told them tales of riches to the north, but the Spanish were never quite sure whether to believe him or not. As this episode begins, the gentleman of Elvas describes the people ruled by this cacica, events soon take a dramatic turn, we learn some unpleasant aspects of de Soto's personality, and then the expedition goes on to enter North Carolina in late May 1540, and they move on to Tennessee in late June. Although it's always worth remembering that we're trying to fit events from long ago onto modern day maps. So here we go with the southern United States in the 1500s, part 8, a kidnapped cacica in North Carolina and Tennessee. The inhabitants are brown of skin, well formed and proportioned. They are more civilised than any people seen in all the territories of Florida, wearing clothes and shoes. This country, according to what the Indians stated, had been very populous. It appeared that the youth who was the guide had heard of it, and what was told him he declared to have seen, and magnified such parts as he chose, to suit his pleasure. He told the governor that they had begun to enter upon the country he had spoken to him about, which, because of its appearance, with his being able to understand the language of the people, gained for him some credit. He wished to become a Christian, and asked to be baptised, which was done, he receiving the name of Pedro and the governor commanded the chain to be struck off that he had carried until then. In the town was found a dirk and beads that belonged to Christians, who, the Indians said, had many years before been in the port, distant two days' journey. He that had been there was the governor licentiate Aelion, who came to conquer the land, and, on arriving at the port, died, when there followed divisions and murders among the chief personages, in quarrels as to who should command. And thence, without knowing anything of the country, they went back to Spain. To all it appeared well to make a settlement there, the point being a favourable one, to which could come all the ships from New Spain, Peru, Santa Maria and Terra Firme, going to Spain, because it is in the way thither is a good country, and one fit in which to raise supplies. But Soto, as it was his object to find another treasure like that of Atabalipa, Lord of Peru, would not be content with good lands nor pearls, even though many of them were worth their weight in gold. And if the country were divided among Christians, more precious should those be the Indians would procure than these they have, being bored with heat, which causes them to lose their hue. So he answered them who urged him to make a settlement, that in all the country together there was not support for his troops a single month, 
that it was necessary to return to Orchers, where Maldonado was to wait, and should a richer country not be found, they could always return to that who would, and in their absence the Indians would plant their fields and be better provided with maize. The natives were asked if they had knowledge of any great lord farther on, to which they answered that twelve days' travel thence was a province called Jaha, subject to a chief of Kosa. The governor then resolved at once to go in quest of that country, and being an inflexible man and dry of word, who, although he liked to know what the others all thought and had to say, after he once said a thing, he did not like to be opposed, and as he ever acted as he thought best, all bent to his will. For although it seemed an error to leave that country, when other might have been found about it, on which all the people could have been sustained until the crops had been made and the grain gathered, there were none who would say a thing to him after it became known that he had made up his mind. Chapter 15 How the governor went from Cutifachiki in quest of Cosa, and what occurred to him on the journey. On the third day of May, the governor set out from Cutifachiki, and, it being discovered that the wish of the cacica was to leave the Christians if she could, giving them neither guides nor tamemes because of the outrages committed upon the inhabitants, there never failing to be men of low degree among the many who will put the lives of themselves and others in jeopardy for some mean interest, the governor ordered that she should be placed under guard and took her with him. This treatment, which was not a proper return for the hospitable welcome he had received, makes true the adage, for well-doing, etc., and thus she was carried away on foot with her female slaves. This brought us service in all the places that were passed, she ordering the Indians to come and take the loads from town to town. We travelled through her territories a hundred leagues, in which, according to what we saw, she was greatly obeyed, whatsoever she ordered being performed with diligence and efficacy. Pedro, the guide, said she was not the suzerain, but her niece, who had come to that town by her command to punish capitally some principal Indians who had seized upon the tribute, but to this no credit was given because of the falsehoods in which he had been taken, the wall was put up with, from the necessity of having someone whereby to understand what the Indians said. In seven days the governor arrived at the province of Chalaque, the country poorest off for maize of any that was seen in Florida, where the inhabitants subsisted on the roots of plants that they dig in the wilds, and on the animals they destroyed there with their arrows. They are very domestic people, a slight of form and go naked, one lord brought the governor two deerskins as a great gift. Turkeys were abundant. In one town they presented seven hundred, and in others brought him what they had and could procure. He was detained in going from this province to Tatahuaya five days, where they found little grain, but remained two days because of the weariness of the men and the leanness of the horses. From Osute to Kutifachiki are one hundred and thirty leagues, of which eighty are desert from Cotifa to Huaya, or 250 of mountainous country. Thence to Guajule, the way is over very rough and lofty ridges. One day, while on this journey, the cacica of Cotifachi, whom the governor brought with him, as has been stated, to the end of taking her to Guajule, the farthest limit of her territories, conducted by her slaves, she left the road, with an excuse of going into a thicket, where, deceiving them, she so concealed herself, but for all their search she could not be found. She took with her a cane box, like a trunk, called petaka, full of unbored pearls, of which those who had the most knowledge of their value said they were very precious. 
they were carried for her by one of the women, and the governor, not to give offence, permitted it so, thinking that in Guajulie he would beg them of her when he should give her leave to depart. But she took them with her, going to Huaya with three slaves who had fled from the camp. A horseman named Alimamos, who remained behind, sick of fever, wandering out of the way, got lost, and he laboured with the slaves to make them leave their evil design. Two of them did so and came on with him to the camp. They overtook the governor after a journey of fifty leagues in a province called Chiaja, and he reported that the cacica remained in Huaya with the slave of Andre de Vasconcelos, who would not come with him, and that it was very sure that they lived together as man and wife and were to go together to Cutifachiqui. At the end of five days, the governor arrived at Guajuye, the Christians being seen to go after dogs for their flesh, which the Indians do not eat, they gave them three hundred of those animals. Little maize was found there, or anywhere upon that route. The governor sent a native with a message to the cacique of Chiaja, begging that he would order some maize to be brought together at his town, that he might sojourn there some time. He left Guajuye, and after two days' travel, arrived at Canasagua, where twenty men came out from the town on the road, each laden with a basket of mulberries. This fruit is abundant and good, from Cutifachiqui to this place, and thence onward in other provinces, as are the walnut and the plum, the trees growing about over the country, without planting or pruning, of the size and luxuriance they would have if they were cultivated in orchards, by hoeing and irrigation. Leaving Canasagua, he marched five days through a desert. Two leagues before he came to Chiaja, fifteen men met the governor bearing loads of maize, with words from the cacique that he waited for him, having twenty barbacoas full, that, moreover, himself, his lands and his vassals were subject to his orders. On the fifth day of July, the governor entered Jaha. The cacique received him with great pleasure and, resigning to him his dwellings for his residence, thus addressed him. Powerful and excellent master, fortunate am I that you will make use of my services. Nothing could happen that would give me so great contentment or which I should value more. From Guajule, you sent to have maize for you in readiness to last two months. You have in this town twenty barbacoas full of the choicest and best to be found in all this country. If the reception I give is not worthy of so great a prince, consider my youth, which will relieve me of blame, and receive my goodwill, which, with true loyalty and pure, shall ever be shown in all things that concern your welfare. The governor answered him that his gifts and kindness pleased him greatly, and that he should ever consider him to be his brother. There was an abundance of lard in calabashes, drawn like olive oil, which the inhabitants said was the fat of bear. There was likewise found much oil of walnuts, which, like the lard, was clear and of good taste, and also a honeycomb, which the Christians had never seen before, nor saw afterwards nor honey nor bees in all the country. The town was isolated between two arms of a river, and seated near one of them. Above it, at the distance of two crossbow shot, the water divided and united again a league below. The veil between, from side to side, was the width in places of a crossbow shot, and in others of two. The branches were very wide, and both were fordable. Along their shores were very rich meadowlands, having many maize fields. As the Indians remained at home, no houses were taken save those of the chief in which the governor lodged. The people lived out, wherever there happened to be shelter, each man having his tree. In this manner the army lay, the men out of order and far apart. 
The governor passed it over as the Indians were peaceful and the weather very calm. The people would have suffered greatly had they been required to do differently. The horses arrived so worn out that they could not bear their riders from weakness, for they had come all the way with only a little maize to live on, travelling, hungry and tired, even from beyond the desert of Osute. So, as the greater part of them were unfit to be mounted, even in the necessary case of battle, they were turned out at night to graze, about a quarter of a league from the camp. The Christians were greatly exposed, so much so, that if at that time the Indians had set upon them, they would have been in bad way to defend themselves. The duration of the sojourn was thirty days, in which time, the soil being covered with verdure, the horses fattened. At the departure, in consequence of the importunity of some who wanted more than was in reason, the governor asked thirty women of the chief for slaves, who replied that he would confer with his principal men, when, one night, before giving an answer, all went off from the town with their women and children. The next day, he having made up his mind to go in search of them, the cacique arrived, and approaching, thus addressed him. Powerful Lord, because of my shame, and out of fear of you, discovering that my subjects, contrary to my wishes, had chosen to absent themselves, I left without your permission. But, finding the error of my way, I have returned like a true vassal, to put myself in your power, that you may do with my person as shall seem best to you. My people will not obey me, nor do anything that an uncle of mine does not command. He governs this country in my place until I should be of mature age. If you would pursue and punish them for disobedience, I will be your guide, since my fate at present forbids me doing more. The governor then, with thirty mounted men and as many footmen, went in search of the people. Passing by the towns of some of the chiefs who had gone off, he cut down and destroyed the great maize fields, and, going along up the stream where the natives were, on an islet, to which the cavalry could not go, he sent word to them by an Indian that they should put away all their fears and, returning to their abodes, give him tamemes, as had been done all the way along, since he did not wish to have women, finding out how very dear they were to them. The Indians judged it well to come and make their excuses to him, so they all went back to the town. This is a very fateful episode. The decisions de Soto makes here will affect the whole of the rest of the expedition. We hear interesting details about Hernando de Soto's personality here. One quotation saying, He did not like to be opposed. This is a stubborn man. He wants to find richer and better lands, even though he's already found a very good land. And this stubbornness, this determination and ambition will prove to be his downfall. In this section also begins a tactic that will be repeated a number of times. When the leader, the cacique, says she doesn't want to go with the Spanish, they take her anyway, and find they are treated very well when they travel with the local leader. However, in this case, the cacique escapes. In terms of geography, De Soto travels through a place called Chalaque, which seems to have been in western North Carolina, and he seems to have entered eastern Tennessee when he reaches a place called Chiaja, although, as said previously, such locations are up for debate. In the next episode, De Soto travels south through eastern Tennessee, repeating his tactic of capturing the local cacique to help them travel through the land. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you've made it this far, please give it a like. Don't forget to subscribe to be informed when other episodes in this document are released. If you can't wait until then, don't forget there are lots of documents to explore now on long history. Thank you for listening to the Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 8, A Kidnapped Cacique in North Carolina and Tennessee. Goodbye.